Chicago hard, Chicago hard, Chicago hard. Up and into them, right from the start of the game. the Chicago State of Mind. We are a Chicago sports podcast from the perspectives of Southside guys with an unapologetic Chicago bias. If this city could talk, it would say Chicago versus everybody. Hey, Doug, what's a good word, my guy? Hey, man, I'm over chilling, man. How about yourself, friends? We got good weather here in the shy, man, so I'm going to enjoy myself because, man, audience, this work week, I kicked my ass, man. Kicked my ass. Yeah, man. I get ended, like, end of May. And we were okay. just crazy swamped. Because that was the end of your fiscal. Yep. Yes. Yep. Everybody you know how I go? Everybody pushing. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> get everything in. Might fire up the grill, maybe Saturday. But, man, other than that, man, I'm going to sit outside with some tunes and kick my feet up, bro. And I might hit the gym maybe Sunday. But other than that, bro, I ain't doing nothing. If you find that grill up, just know that Doug may be heating you up. Hey, pull up. Pull up. Yes, sir. We got one game to cover because this is also a light week for us because the Chicago Sky, they've been on a road trip, so I don't have to cover any Sky games this weekend. So that's one of the reasons why I get the kickback. The Red Stars, they have a game Sunday. So that's all I got this weekend now that I think about it. So that's it, man. Light weekend, man. Light work. Man, that is light work right there compared to what we've been doing the past couple of months. And what's coming up next weekend, because you and I are going busy as shit next weekend. Chicago Sky Games, the Big Three Games, Chicago Fire, and Chicago Red Stars. Sheesh. Oh, man. Got a packed schedule there, bro. So this is the calm before the storm, and that's why I'm going to take advantage of the downtime, brother. Got to. Well, man, let's get into it, A-Dub. So I was talking about the Chicago Sky earlier, and it's been a while since we hollered at the audience, so there's been a slew of Sky Games. First one I want to talk to you about, though, is that game against the, the Phoenix Mercury. So this game was from last week. And... I would say this, A-Dub, the Mercury, they kind of gave the Sky a little bit of running for their money. Diana Taurasi, she got tossed out of that game. That shit was hilarious. But yep. What were your thoughts about that ball game? Because I thought when she got kicked out of that ball game, it kind of gave that team a little bit of a juice. I fired up because you know, they haven't been playing well. You know, Phoenix right. Mercury is a good team. They have not been playing well up to up to their par, right, to their standards. And when that happened, it was like, look, we got we to gotta, we grind together, man. And they came at us, right? Hard, and I'm like, I'm kind of glad we were able to sustain and get over that hurdle and pretty much close it out the right way, you know, with Candace Parker doing her thing. But I tell you, man, that team did came for us, come for us. Yeah, and you know, I think what it was for me was when you watched that game, it was the switching. And and, and the Phoenix Mercury, they were doing a really good job of, of just switching. And and, and Courtney Vandersloot, when um we were in the press conference with her, she talked through that, and she said, it's not like that every game. 
So they had to make a lot of last minute adjustments, you know, and the ball was in her hands an awful lot in that game. But she made a lot of plays down the stretch in that ball game. So salute to Sloop. <laughs> hey, man, Sloop was on a roll in that fourth quarter, man. I mean, she's making buckets out the bucket, big play out the big plate. I mean, she held us down. I'll tell you, I'm not sure what we would have been without her in that game. She definitely put us in a good position to win. So, yeah, because she was, you know, one of the things she talked about is the fact that you got to make the plays that you practice. You got to make the plays that you talk about. And she says that she knows down the stretch the ball's either going to be in her hands or Candace's hands. Right. And in that matchup, you saw down the stretch that her and Candace were doing a lot of pick and roll together. Yeah. But Sloot was on attack mode, and I thought that was the key down the stretch because Candace, I mean, you looked at the numbers. and You know, we don't pay a lot of attention to the stat sheet, but if you looked at her numbers, Candace was only two of nine from the field, man. Right, right. She was. She didn't have a good shoot night. And it seems like Snoop picked up the slack because you're right. They're doing a pick and roll. Snoop was getting that paint, right, and making something happen. So it was just one of those off nights for Candace Parker, but glad that Snoop was able to pick up the slack. But even still, though, even though Candace was a little cold from the field, she still did other things. She made winning plays, and she crashed the boards, man. I mean, she had double-digit rebounds in that game as well. Yeah, double-digit rebounds. And you get a good point with her doing some of the dirty work, right? It's, it's crazy that Kenneth Parker at her age still doing dirty work, you know? So she do those little things that add up for us that contributes to winning. So you're right, the rebounding, the extra play, getting the hit out there to hit the balls and things of that nature. She was doing all the little things, man, to help contribute to winning. And a shout-out to Rebecca Gardner, our rookie on the team. She scored double digits off the bench. And there's been a lot of times, A-Dub, this season, where I've been kind of looking at Coach Wade when the sky been a little stagnant. And I'm like, um, why is Rebecca not in this ballgame, Coach? No, what are we doing? Yeah. But she always gives us a lift. Always. She does for defensively as well because she's able to match up, right? And she can able to get in there, play tough defense, on ball defense. So that's what I like about Rebecca. Don't look at her age. Look at her game. The age ain't nothing but a number when it comes to Rebecca. I'm so sick of people talking about that. I wish they would. That's why I didn't even bring that shit up. I'm sick of people talking about that. What does it got to do with her game? It don't right. matter how old she is. The fact of the matter is, though other teams in the WNBA should be ashamed of themselves that they didn't give her a shot because, well, I'm glad they didn't because I'm glad she don't want <laughs> to. But the point of the matter is, stop talking about her age. Y'all should be ashamed that y'all let a talent like that stay overseas and that we were the ones that found her. Exactly. The WNBA champions found her. Yes, we did. And guess what, Chris? She's going to be a big contributor if we win this crown again, baby. Yes, sir. Now, let's talk about the Atlanta Dream game. Because this game is a road game. And I felt like this ball game, we saw a little bit more of things going in the right direction. It was also kind of cool to see that Courtney Vandersloot passed her wife to become the Chicago Sky's franchise leader in scoring. So that was kind of interesting. <laughs> I know that's kind of crazy for both of them in the household. Talk about, you know, about who's, uh, who's who has the scoring record right now. They could probably be going back and forth, probably all seeds. You never know, right? Once, um, you know, uh, once Quigley started making some shots like we know what she's capable of doing. But, yeah, that's, that was dope, man. Good game there. It was a total team effort, Perez. And will contribute, you know, uh, all of them kind of like played their part. Candace showed up big. So that was a good game for our team. You're right, overall. I mean, in this game, I mean, they had at least uh, – I mean, at one point they had like a 20-point lead. The defense was like a big part of the story here. But the offense, I mean, so one of the things that I'm seeing here, 73 points they scored in this game and in the previous game, you're not going to win a lot of games scoring 73 points. So that was one of the things that was my biggest takeaway from that game is dream is that, hey, the defense was doing their part. But offensively, though, there still was a little, you know, some struggles that I saw in the game. Yeah, there was still some struggles there. And I think sometimes we do let up 
two on defense, two prayers at times. Like, man, you know, let's just close now, get the game over with. But sometimes we do let up. But you're right, this offense can really score. And I think what they have figured out, what Wade has figured out, is going inside with Candace Parker and Emma. Because when they in the paint press, they do great work down there in the low post. And I see the moves that Candace have and Emma. Emma got some great skill moves, press in the right. post. So with the see of going playing inside, outside game, press, that seems to be working for this guy team now that they started to figure out an identity. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a really good point. And Emma still is integrating into within this team. So she's still not yep. even where she's going to be when this thing is all said and done. But she's highly skilled, great post moves down low. But in this ball game, though, Kalia Copper, you're starting to see her kind of round into shape because she yes. kind of has shown, like, you know, she had a little rust from, you know, coming over from overseas to now getting back with her teammates. But in this ball game, man, she had 21 points. And this is where I'm kind of seeing the Kalia Copper that we saw last season. Oh, yeah, man. When you get, like you say, when you get her going down, you always talk about her, Chris, going downhill, fast mm-hmm. breaks. She make you pay, man. And she mm-hmm. got this quick step that you and I keep talking about, Chris. Once she go baseline, man, for some reason, like, man, can, uh, sometimes I think, like, you know what? This young lady mess around dunk on somebody <laughs> because she got so much talent, man. Like, she can jump to a little bit. But these little moves, whatever, Chris, the acrobatic moves that she make, uh, getting layups, man. She's a different animal. MVP. And also, too, now think about this portion here that Coach Wade and the presser said, we're a better team when we don't send teams to the free throw line. And that's right. one of the things that you see in this ball game against the Dream. Not only did they go to the foul line, but they hit 80% of their free throws when they got sent there. Now, the Sky had 20 free throw attempts, so they obviously outshot them. But I, I, I really agree with what Coach said here because if they could continue to hold teams to 35 40% and not give up those free throws, yeah, Man, these games are going to be a, a, a wrap. I agree. So I think that's what we do. We get them to the cherry strike. They start to get easy free throws, right? Yep. And that's when we get Kelly's on defense. You know that prayers. Like, I know we try sometimes. We, sometimes we can be over-aggressive on defense. Sometimes we don't be aggressive at all, right? So it's like we got to find that balance. But we actually play defense the way we're capable of, prayers. No team can slow this um, Chicago sky down, man. Even how they even played against um, Ryan Howard, you know, how they shut her down. I was like, man. And big part of that was, you know, Rebecca, how she came in the game and done a great job guarding her. So it's like this team got good defense when they play. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And, and I like that you brought that up about Rebecca because a lot of us talk about the offense because it's true. I mean, she's another downhill player just like Khalil. Yep. But defensively, man, she's got that length. She, listen, she's a veteran player. She understands the pro game. And, I mean, mm-hmm. that's a secret weapon to have on your team. So that's that's a definitely a really good call-out because, again, like I mentioned, Defense was the catalyst between them winning those first two games that we talked about. And even when you look at the game that they played on Sunday when they played against Washington. Now, right. Elena Deladon was not in that game. She got rested in that ball game. In this game, it was interesting, man, because that was one of those ones where I'm like, all right, well, we we got the dub. And this is also another game, a dub, where we saw our big-time players making big-time plays out there. Yeah, and I want to start first with Emma. I mean, Emma was out there for his cooking. I mean, she was like like four for four without five for five without missing a shot until yeah, about the fourth quarter. Yep. Yeah, to that fourth quarter hit. But she was making good plays, even defensively, Perez. She was like knocking shots down, getting steals right, playing safety, right? And I said, man, her 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 understanding of the game, knowing what to be on the floor, 
makes a huge difference, and she knows how to use that height very well. So in that game, it played a pivotal role because she was out there making plays defensively, but then she was also making great plays passing that ball, Press. Her yes, IQ. Yes, that was sir. like, man, Emma is the real deal. <laughs> like, she can straight up play, and, and she did a good job against our former team. No, she definitely did. And we took advantage of the fact that Elena Deladon wasn't going to be in this game. That's true. And, and one of the things I want to say, though, is, okay, so Emma, big part of it. But also Candace. Candace, yep. too. And this is something that, that I observed and I even mentioned with one of the other media guys, this guy, Zachary. I told him, I said, look, Candace can pick her spots with this team. Candace can pick her spots because this roster is so deep that you did can save and preserve her to the fourth quarter where she can make big time plays. And AW, you saw in that fourth quarter when Candace started bringing the ball up, when Candace yeah. had the ball in her hands a lot, she was taking them three pointers and hitting them from the top of the key. True. That's what I'm like. Yeah, see, that's game over right there. When you get a ball to your, your MVP, I know, no, no disrespect to you, Kalia, but when you get that ball to the MVP, <laughs> And she, can Absolutely. Get the, she can get that shit done. See, that's, that's a secret weapon right there. That shit closer. And you hit a good point. You say, you know what? Not wearing Candace Parker down, right? Not making her do too much. You're right. She's on a loaded team. She don't have to do too much early or, or, or early in the game, right? She can rely on other players who can still carry some of that load, like Emma, like Khalil, right? Copper, you know, like Allie Quigley when she's knocking that three down. It's oh, like yeah. you got this loop, right? Run the show. You don't have to do too much. So you're right. We can preserve Candace to close the game, right? And she's done a great job in that game, closing it out, Perez. So you hit it right on the head, man. That's what you need. If Candace can continue to close like that, man, this team is in good shape. Now, there's been a lot of chatter, A-Dub, about Allie Quickly and her, and her struggles. Because you, right. we know that her shot hasn't been falling like it has historically. And there's right. been a lot of people calling for Rebecca Gardner into that starting lineup. What are your thoughts there when you think about just some of the, the comments people are making there between those two? Uh, Adley Quigley has been struggling because of age yep. sorry, she had. And uh, with that, it, it's taking some time to get back into game shape, get a rhythm back, get her legs under her press. And she also been a little slow on defense, too. I've seen people blow past her. So right. you're right. That thought process of wanting to bring a Rebecca Gardner in is, 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 is important because – Rebecca can do what Allie can do. If Allie cannot make shots for us, she becomes a liability because she can't defend like we want her to. So you gotta you gotta ponder that. You gotta think about what do we do next if Allie can't get back to her usual self. How much time are you gonna waste? She had a good game her last game, right? She did well hitting shots. But the thing is, can she keep that up? Because you're right, she don't keep it up, Perez. Coach Wade probably gonna have to make a tough decision. Now that's a good point there. Now I will say this, man, and in that ball game against the Mystics. I would tell you, man, they played us pretty damn tough. I was really impressed by the Mystics team, man, Cloud. Yeah. She's a, she's a ball player, man. She is a ball player. Man, you're right about that. She is a ball player. She got good defense. She's got a very good IQ, pass very well, Perez. She's actually fighting with Sloop, probably with trying to lead in assist mm -hmm. in the WNBA. So she's one of those individuals who does pass very well, want to get her team involved. So she's a player. She's a player. You're right. She's that one of the important pieces on that team. But, you know, and, and, and also, too, I think because of the pace that the Mystics played, it also allowed us to play at a bit, a bit a better pace because we scored in transition a lot in this ballgame. And that's yeah. how we like to play. I mean, like you said, we always talk about it. When you got a Dana, when you got a Kalia, when you got a Rebecca, when you got Sloot, you got guards on this team that can push that pace and push that rock up the court. I'm glad you're talking about the pace, man, because I like that kind of pace too, Perez. We playing fast pace. 
getting up getting up and down the floor like that. I don't think a team can stop that that um the sky attack like that. It's very few teams I've seen even stop them this season with doing so. So when they playing that fast pace for us, that means a good sign for us. They got the energy and they on and they on cloud 10, right? Cloud nine, cloud 10. <laughs> they doing well with that. So they getting scoring opportunities, they making good passes for us and making a lot of shots too. And to the point we were making about Allie Quigley earlier in the segment, Coach Wade's like, look, I still got confidence. She's a great shooter. He said yeah. it's going to come back. And in that game, she went three or five from the field. And that was a, an encouraging sign because, man, if you looked at her shooting in the previous games, man, it, was, <laughs> it was bad, man. So that was a step in the right direction. It was. And, and it may assign some people a little bit right saying, you know what, maybe she needs to stay in the lineup still because she can stretch the floor. But I think if she starts to have some more bad games, Chris, it's probably going to force Wade to make a tough decision, as I mentioned already. So I think good for her. She's having a good, had a decent game. Hopefully she can keep it up, Chris. I hope so, too. Because then when you look at the game on Wednesday when we played the Mystics again, this time we lost. And Elena Deladon actually started in this game, but she left the game early because she injured that back. But when you look at this ball game, we scored more than the 73 points. Went wrong in this game, though, eight up for me was it was a lot of Ariel Atkins. I mean, she put that team on her back, scored 19 points. She was, I think she was the leading scorer for the ball game for both teams. Mm-hmm. It was too much of her. There was they, We had no answer for her. None at all, man. We couldn't stop her. And that's something we got to pay close attention to when someone getting hot pressed, trying to find a way to slow them down because she got it going, she got it going, right? And I think she, like you said, she held the team on her back. And it just took us too much trying to get back in the game, especially when they pulled away with the lead up 18 or whatever. It was kind of hard yeah. for us to get back. So when they get a lead like that, sometimes it's tough to get back into the game. And we try to make it close right at the end. But, man, it was just tough, right? Still tough because you put so much pressure on your offense and defense trying to get back into those type of games. And in this game here, we see Candace Parker almost had another double-double, 16-9 in this ball game. Candace Parker, man, model of consistency. I'm telling you, boy, she's like a fine vino, man, just ages well, man. I'm talking about 36-year-old ball player. People want to talk about age. Right. <laughs> man, Candace looked man, Candace looked fresh out there on the court, man. Man, Candace like she in our pride right now, man. The way she, she sure playing. do. She sure do. <laughs> I was like, 30 what? Oh, you don't see that in Candace. The way mm-hmm. she played, that kind of skill press. That kind of IQ, even with, even how she plays with energy-wise, still got a lot left in the tank. Because she does. And she brings the ball up the court, man. I'm telling you, I see her. She's running the brakes. She's got that court vision that we talk about. I mean, we know Van, uh, Van on the other side, man, is, is a hell of a ball handler. But when I right. see that Candace Parker come up, I'm like, shit, I don't even have a problem with it. I'm like, because she can handle that thing, too. Man, when Candace get that rebound, she gone, bro. She ain't looking for something. She gone. She looking for somebody looking for a layup or something. You go up and she'll throw it to you for a layup or something. But other than that, she'll push that ball off the floor, man. And then the other thing, you cannot shut Candace Park up. She talks the entire game, bro. She does. She <laughs> does. Every time you see her, she's in one of her teammates' face, telling them what to do, directing them. You and I talk about this a lot, man. Candace Parker don't stop talking. This is what she does. She is a hooper, man. She, if you can do that kind of thing, talk all day long, and play the high-level press, you got my respect, bro. <laughs> yeah, you ain't lying, man. She, even on the bench, she's always communicating, always letting them know what's up. She's always the first one that's bringing the team together yep. and, and huddling them up. I love that, man. I mean, it's her team, you know, So and, and, and that's, that's when you see that kind of stuff. And it's the respect factor, too. You know what I mean? She right. is... And when I say this, and I'm not saying this because we cover this team, but she is the WNBA, in my opinion. 
The thing is, you look at Candace Parker Perez, and you and I both talked about this as well. She doesn't have to have a good shoot night, Perez. She does so much, so many other things. And that's one of those intangibles, right? Still leading this team, still instilling confidence in all the players around her. So that's why I got to give Candace Parker a lot of credit for it. Even if she had a bad shoot night, we could still win the game. Yeah, because you know that she's going to impact the game in way many ways just in shooting. You know what yep. I mean? Because even it might be a game where people say, oh, man, Candace only got like seven or eight points. I'm like, yeah, but how many assists does she have? How many rebounds does she have? I bet you she made a play down the stretch. Oh, yeah, I told you. You know, so it's always like little intangible things that she's going to yep. do. And that's the sign of a good player when you can impact the game from other ways. Because anybody can get their 15 to 20. Right. What else exactly. are you doing to impact the game? And she makes sure everyone else in the right position know what to do on the floor prayers. So you're doing all that that contributes to winning. So you're right. Candace Parker has got too many intangibles, man, to say the judges just don't stats alone. And her and Kalia Copper, that rhythm and chemistry between them is starting to come back because you see these games now where Kalia's starting to cut to that basket and Candace Parker <laughs> for them easy dives. And I'm like, yeah, see, <laughs> y'all yep. just rounded in the form right now. Yes, they are, man. Now they got Emma involved with it, too. Emma, like, hey, you go back door, I got you. <laughs> was a really good passer, too, like you were saying, to your point. Because, you know, she she started dropping them dimes. So, listen, we got so many offensive weapons on this team. And like I said, with, with Coach Wade, he's got an embarrassment of riches. But it's also kind of hard at times, I bet, for him to try to figure out the combination of players that have out there on the court. Yeah, I saw what he did last game. You know, he was like, he kind of put the second unit out there, right, and let them, you know, operate a little bit. Yep. And they kind of got this team back into the game, really, right? So they he's did. starting to see that I got a second unit, right, where I don't have to have my stars out there with them. I can just let that second unit go, you know, with Stevens, you know, and some of the other players out there. With Rebecca, they can go ahead and lead the charge, you know? Well, see, that ain't the first time he's done that. He's done that a couple times. And that, and that goes to show yep. you, though, he knows that he has that bench, and he also that sends a message to those starters, too. Fucking yeah. pick it up. <laughs> <laughs> right. Y'all ain't doing well. I go a different direction, man. I can bring in Dana Evans, let her come and do her thing, too. So that's what that's what he has. He has a good problem in his hands. He can always use other players who can steal ball and sustain that pressure on those opposing defenses. Yeah, because remember that game against the Aces? The starters were struggling. Quickly, shot wasn't going down. Candace didn't nope. have a Candace-like game. But it was that second string. It was Becca Gardner and, 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 and crew. In that fourth quarter, they were kind of giving that team a, a lift in those situations where he realizes what he has with this team. But as I mentioned, A-Dub, minutes, it's going to be hard to balance that shit. Like, come playoff time? Yeah, Man, I don't know how he gonna do that. Those <laughs> way gonna figure it out. And as long as he keep, as long as he remain, you know, try not to be biased, he's putting himself in a good situation. Because with this kind of unit you have right here, you don't need to be biased. You got a good team. No, for sure, for sure. Well, A-Dub, let's talk about some baseball, man. So we have our <laughs> Chicago White Sox portion of the show. And A-Dub, this has just been a really weird season. I'm just not going to lie to you, man. I didn't envision that my White Sox would be in the position that they're in right now. It's right. just been a really fucking strange season. I mean, T.A.'s been out, obviously. You, you know what Lance Lynn hasn't been there this season. Eloy's been out. Even though we got some reports that – Eloy and Lance Lynn are doing some rehab there at AAA right now. But right. it's just been so much just nonsense that's been going on with this team this year. You had the Dallas Keuchel uh, designated for assignment. All this shit that's going on out with Tony La Russa, the offense being like what it was. There's just so many things that are going on right now that I did not expect to be going on with this team. Right yeah, Prez, and with all that going on, you're not surprised on why the record the way it is right now. 
it's just so much, so many different things happening. And I kind of feel bad for the White Sox and the White Press because you're right. You all have the unit, have the team. It's been a lot of hype around this team doing better than last season. And to have this kind of a star right now, it kind of sucks a little bit, right? For all, for even for the fans, if you're not a White Sox fan, you kind of feel that 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 weight, like, man, you expect it better from this team. But it is what it is, man. You know, it is, it is it again, it sucks. And I'm just saying, we need a little bit of a joke, man, because the offense has not been the juggernaut that, nope. that I've come to know. Now, it, as of late, it's picked up a bit, but it's still not where it should be. And, and like you said, you know, like I said earlier, Eloy, he's still down there, AAA, trying to get right. Lance yeah. Lynn potentially may be activated here within the next week or so. Tony LaRusso was noncommittal about that when the media asked him about it. So it's just like we just need, we just need to get our guys back. That's Josh uh, Harrison. That experiment, in my opinion, isn't working. He's not hitting. And I think Yoan Moncada, you know, there's been some, you know, some issues with him because he hasn't been the player that he was in 2019. We yeah. Just, we just we're, we just have a lot of things that aren't going our way right now. A lot of setbacks right now, Perez. And I tell you, y'all can use the land. Y'all can use you, you talked about our pitching. Now, the only bright side when I look at the pitching right now is I look at Kopech. I mean, this yep. guy right here, man, sh- when he goes on that mount, that's must-see TV. I don't even record that game. I'm watching that joke alive. What's <laughs> going on? Because just hey, this man. just this week, A-Dub, he faced one of the best offenses in baseball, and that motherfucker didn't give a fuck. He was like, let's go. He dominated the Dodgers. He did, man. And <laughs> hey, he shut those guys up. Like, they were kind of stunned in a way. Like, they couldn't believe the guy was that good. Like, I got to get Kopech his props because it's not the only game he's been doing well in, as you, as you already know. He's been doing it all season. Oh. Success. He's actually having all-star level success. Because I'm like, look, they ramped him up the right way. I'm like, it'll be fine. Even in this game against the Dodgers that we're talking about, yeah. he only went six innings. So mm-hmm. they're still going to be smart about the, the innings with him. But, I mean, his, he, he's got an electric arm. I mean, he set the tone in this game when he struck out Mookie Betts. Mookie Betts is probably known as probably one of the, probably one of the top ten players in, in baseball. Yeah, and he, he made him look silly. I mean, right. that's the type of arm talent that we're talking about with a Michael Kopech. Yeah, no wonder, Perez. You hit a, you right. He had he he's been shutting guys down, man. Elite hitters, he's been shutting them down. But I'm wondering though, with this inning count, can he pitch more innings than what he's been pitching? Because I think the guy been giving up nothing really, and all of a sudden he pulled out of games when he haven't made a lot of pitches, right? Because I get that pitch count is important. But I have to see where he still has something left in the tank, right? Like he still got there and pitch another couple of innings or so, and he got pulled. You tell me your thoughts on that, man. No, that's a good point. I'm I'm okay with the more conservative approach, just because you don't want the guy to wear down. I mean, you remember what happened with Rodon last season, right? Yeah. So you don't want to get a little carried away with that. Also, too, with guys like Kopech that has the flamethrower arm, you also don't want to run the risk of those guys maybe having that one inning where the control or the command gets away from them and they start walking people, right? So yeah, I'm okay with it. I really am. You know, I think if you're going to be consistently conservative, then do that. You know, you want to preserve the guy for when it really counts. Right, right, right. I get your point. I get you. He's probably the most reliable. Dylan Cease has been solid, but other than that, man, it's been really, it's been really tough. I mean, Quato, he started off game busters, but lately when he started, he's been getting rocked. So, yeah, tough to see. Yep, and then the bullpen hasn't been holding up too well right at times. So it's like, ah, uh, that hurts too, right? You're like, oh man, I pulled my starter who was cooking, then go to the bullpen. They don't hold it. They don't hold the league or so. The game get out of hand right from there. But I tell you one thing, A Dub, and I talked about Larusa earlier, and I've talked about him on this show before. I'm kind of looking at Jerry Reinsdorf right now, and I'm rolling my eyes at that son of a bitch because I'm like, all right, man. <laughs> see. 
He's always hiring his buddies and his friends, right? He did that shit That's with true. the Bulls. Yeah. Always with the personal friends. This man's the most loyal person in the history of sports. But damn it, Jerry, it might be time for you to look at this Tony LaRusso situation and figure something out here. Because when Tony LaRusso made that decision the other day to do that intentional walk bullshit and it backfired on us, and I haven't been like on this fire Tony train, but I'm more so just been like, all right, y'all. I keep trying to get this man a chance. I keep trying to get him the benefit of the doubt. But when do we just say the game might have the game might have passed Tony by? Man, look, Tony's going off emotion and feelings these days. It's not what he needs to be doing, man. The game. You're right, Perez. The guy had two strikes, right? Yep. Was, he had two strikes, and then and then you want to walk a guy with two strikes. I mean, I don't understand that part of it. Like, why do so? Let's see if he's gonna ground out or strike out. It's just a bad decision on Tony LaRusa. And he wondered why. And I think that was the straw right there, but he wondered why folks are upset with him. And then his press conference, Perez, he had like, we asked him for money. You know right. what I'm saying? Like, right. anybody asking for no money, you could walk the guy with, with two strikes. With two <laughs> I mean, strikes. What you think people were going to say? The fans got something to say about that, man. So Tony LaRusa got to understand how the game, like you said, may have changed over the years, dude, and how people look at things like that and how that can hurt the team. Because it did. Came back, the other guy came with the play hit a home run on him. So yeah, it backfired. So you gotta understand why people are questioning your decisions. And also too, what was the main reason why they hired Tony in the first place? He's known as the, the fundamentals type of manager. Right. But fundamentally this team has been fucked all season. So if this is what Tony Russo's bread and butter is, then what's going on? Right. And you know what, Perez, you hit a good point. It's just that you all got to a hot star. Got to a hot star with them, right? Y'all started cooking late in the season. But that had nothing to do with fundamentals. Y'all was just that good. Y'all was a juggernaut. Y'all was making hits, friends. Y'all are pitching well. You know what I'm saying? It really wasn't to me, Tony LaRusa. It's just that now that you all are losing some games now, that he's getting exposed. So I wasn't so high up on last season. I know some people were like, you know, but I wasn't. So now we're starting to see what Tony LaRusa looked like when the team don't have Tim Anderson or other major hitters on the team. And so you know what? One thing I'm going to say here, Tony Russo, and I just said that the game has passed them by. Yep. However, you keep making these bad decisions for the sake of making bad decisions. Tony, he kind of comes off to me like he's got to be the smartest guy in the room. And where did that shit get Joe Madden? It got him fucking fired by the Cubs, and yep. it just got his ass fired again by the Angels. Yep. You see, that ain't going to happen to Tony Russo because he's Jerry's boy. So he got job security. Fan base, we all know when we see this thing, we know it's going nowhere fast. And I just don't like to see the fact that you got a team with this type of talent that's set to win. And they tell us that, oh, this was that plug-and-play manager that was going to show this team how to win a World Series. Well, I didn't see it last year. Right. And I look at this year, and I'm like, what's going on? Now, the only saving grace that Tony has is the fact that Tim Anderson loves Tony. Right. I don't understand that situation, but it is what it is. <laughs> That's the only thing I would give Tony credit. He has come to Tim Manor's defense on many occasions, and I give him that. But you're right. What else are you doing to manage this team? You just can't be the, 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 the best player on the team favorite, <laughs> you know, or be the uh, whatever you want to call the enforcer or the guy to have his back. Look, dude, you got you to gotta manage this team the right way. And I don't think Tony Russo is doing the, the, the uh, White Sox any justice. Um, lately, and it's starting to really turn for the worse. So I hope you all can turn around, friends, when all the players get back healthy. But I am concerned, man. Even if you all turn around, get to the playoff again, what's going to be Tony LaRusso's impact on that team? It's going to be very minimal again.
Well, we'll see there, but we got to get there first. And then also, right. I don't want to just put it all on Tony and Jerry, but I also got to give a little heat to Rick Hahn because Rick Hahn, while you got a lot of credit, which, you know, in some cases, yeah, right, deservedly so. But, hey, man, you went into this season with some of the holes on this team and they're getting exposed. Right, right. Because you getting Harrison, that ain't got nothing to do with Tony LaRusa. You know what I'm saying? He's some things he, like, was just that he's made, right, Rick Hahn. He got to own some of his things. So That's right. Yeah, I'm with you there, Perez. But at the end of the day, I know you probably want to fire Tony LaRusa too, but he can't do it. He can't. Because <laughs> that's above his head. Because, you know, when things start to go sour, who the first to go, right? It's always the manager, right? So he can't do anything about that to get, to get rid of the scapegoat, right? So now he's stuck with, hey, the roster moves that you have made as well, that gotta, that's going to come on him. So that's something that Rick Hahn will have to deal with as the season go along. But I'll tell you one thing, boy. If this team misses the playoffs – that intentional walk of Trey Turner, man, that's going to be on his uh, White Sox uh, obituary, man, because that shit there, when he walked that man intentionally to get to the matchup that he thought was going to be better for him, and that motherfucker hit that home run, and I just looked, and I'm like, this is the 2022 Chicago White Sox, ladies and gentlemen. This is this has been a fucking – it's been a shit show. Yeah, it has been. And I'll tell you, I was shocked. I was shocked with that walk, that intentional walk. I'm like – what the hell is going on here, Press? <laughs> what are you guys are doing on the south side? I don't know what's happening here. So, Tony LaRusso, you're not looking too good right now, man. Not too good. And the fans are disappointed. Big time. And I didn't like the fact that he tried to defend that shit in that press conference to the point <laughs> that you were making. Ain't no defending that, bro. You take that shit on the chin and was like, I fucked up. No, That's you it. ain't do that. No, you ain't do that. No, you didn't, man. I'm with you, friends. I took that on the chin. Nope, my bad. That's my bad. Yep, I I, I own that. My mistake. Uh, let's move on if we can, but that's on me. Made a bad bad decision. Made a bad decision. I'm sorry. I cost my team a win. That is what you say, Tony. No, nah, that ain't what he did. But anyway, enough about my Chicago White Sox. Let's get over to the Chicago Cubs because I want to talk about your team and get your thoughts, A-Dub, because while the Cubs are in the midst of a rebuild, it's yeah. been a promising season because you guys are starting to see some talent kind of rise to the top a little bit. Keegan Thompson is a guy that you and I have talked about previously. Now, he got rocked against the Orioles. But if you look at his season as a whole, I think this guy's got a chance to make it to the All-Star team, eh, Doug? Yeah, man. I think he's 6-1 record-wise, Chris. To me, he only really had one bad game, like you said, against the Orioles, where his curveball wasn't going so well. I mean, his pitches were still – he had a lot of hanging pitches, Chris, that were getting knocked out the park. And, you know, got to keep that down. But overall, he has pitched very well, Chris, with his curveball. I mean, you know, the breaking ball. This guy has been doing a lot of good things, man, with his pitches. And that guy has had great location with it uh, early in the season, except that one game. So I like what, he, what he's been doing. And I hope he can be an all-star, Chris, if he can turn it around these next few games when the all-star comes up, you know? All-star game gets here. All good points there when it comes to him. He only had the one bad outing. But I would say, man, when you guys moved him to the rotation, I said, okay, well, shit, they may have him, some, they may have him somebody that they didn't realize that they had. Right. No, I didn't see this happening this early, this soon, Perez. I thought it was going to probably take another season or so, right, to figure that part of it out. But he is actually he's on the fast pace right now, you ask me. So he's like, nah, I, I can start. I, I, can, I can show the load here. So he's been actually – Coming through for the Cubs on that. So, salute to him, man. I just hope he keeps it going, Perez. No, no, facts there. Honestly, long-term, he may be better as a, as a reliever. But right, right now, I mean, it's working out with having him in the in the rotation. Yeah, and the good thing, though, Perez, even if he's not, like you said, the long-term uh, for as a starter, he can be a relief pitcher. Very good to give you some solid innings. You know, he can take he can pitch two, three innings easily, right? So, you got somebody that can 
can, can, can carry the load uh, if he come in as a backup pitcher. So, you know, coming out the bullpen. So you're good with there. But I hope that he can sustain this kind of success to where he actually can hold down that job as a starter. But I'll tell you one thing, man, if for some reason he can't do that, I mean, the Cubs, y'all going to be good. Because, I mean, if you look at it, all right, you already got Kyle Hendricks, the professor. You got Stroman, Killian, you know, Azalea. So you guys have some arms. And then you add Keegan to the mix. I mean, hey, some young guys there for sure. Yeah, and Justice Steele trying to come around a little bit. So, you know, we'll see what happened there. You're right, Chris. We got some some guys, man. Some guys are probably looking to uh, do some in the future. So I'm hoping that they can keep this group together and they can continue to grow together. And I think that'll be good for the Cubs if they can show they can be legitimate stars. Well, but you know what? But that's why this season is so important for these young players on the coast because that's where that development in that season is coming in, you know? Yeah, you're right. You're definitely right about that. And these guys getting a good chance early in their careers in a way, right, where they now get a chance to show this team, you know, uh, what they can do. So salute to David Ross, you know, what he's been doing. He's been doing a good job with these young players and trying to develop them. So I got to give him some credit too, Chris. No, hey, Rossi, listen. Rossi, man, he he was not putting into he was not put into an ideal situation. I mean, even no. from the fact of when he replaced Madden and he managed these guys that he basically played with, that wasn't an easy situation. I don't care how Rossi tried to flip it. Right. That was tough. Right. Then all the losses started to come. Yep. Man, yeah. Rossi, he's aged in that role. But I give him credit though. Because right now you can see his manager chops, they're starting to come to fruition right now. Yeah, he is, man. He's starting to show that, hey, you know what? I can't manage no matter what you all give me. I'm going to try to get the most out of these players. So that's what he's showing right now, Chris. And I got to give him credit for that. Win or lose, that's what he's doing, man. He's managing the game. I guess the biggest thing for me is, okay, in the midst of this rebuild, what's going to happen with Wilson Contreras? Because we've seen this movie before, independent <laughs> free agent, A-Dub. So, I mean, what you thinking, bro? I don't think we should keep Contreras. I know I've been on that, that bandwagon. All season, press. I think we should keep the guy, but you just never know what the Cubs might do because the guy's playing out of his mind right now, right? And he right now he's somebody you can get something back for if you were to trade him. But for me, I'm like, man, I don't care. This guy's a leader. Let's keep him, man. Let him, let him help work with these young players and help get more of them along the way, you know, before we think about trading. So I'm thinking more like a two, three year deal or something, press. Let's try to keep him, but I just never know what the Cubs may have if they sleep, man, because we seen him do a fire sale last season with some of the, the, the top talent on the team. You never know what they might do with him. Yeah, and, and that's that's the thing, man, because you know Wilson wants to be here. You yep. and I talked about it before. He said that he'd be open to having a conversation during season. He hadn't heard anything. But I'll tell you one thing, man. They would be making a huge mistake if they did not try to work something out with this guy. Now, I know, honestly, if they did try to trade him, they would get a lot back for him. Yeah. You know, and I hope this isn't another one of them Jeff Samarja like situations. Do you remember when y'all oh. had him? And I hope that's not what they do here. Now that Jeff Samarja trade didn't backfire on y'all like I thought it was, but I hope they don't pull this shit with uh, Wilson Contreras. Yeah, I hope they don't do that with Wilson Contreras either, man. Because I'm a fan of his friends, and to me, I, I like good catchers. I mean, he's a very good catcher. I mean, you know about Nazarm already. He calls a pretty solid game, friends. And I, I use, it's very few catches like that, I think, in the, in the league right now. So he's one, of the, to me, one of the better catches, catchers in the league. So you want to keep that because you don't have anything else. What are you going to do if you get rid of him? You don't have nobody ready right now to, to take on that role and, and be successful with it. I think Wilson Contreras is that guy right now. So I think you keep him, man, until you figure something out down the road. No, I mean, that's that's a fair point. Now, 
when I brought up the Jeff Samarja comparison, now you remember when they made that trade to Jeff Samarja, Jeff Samarja had made it to the All-Star game. Yeah. <laughs> and they traded him. Right. Because I think that was the Addison Russell deal. Yep. And that could actually happen if they were to trade Contreras right now. It'll do the same thing. Because I think he's on pace to be an All-Star, right? Oh, yeah, he definitely team. will. He definitely Right. Will. So if you trade him, same thing can happen again. And I don't want that kind of issue to repeat itself, Chris. I think you might want to hold on a little bit longer than that, man, for making that decision. And that's what I'm saying, because even in that moment, I thought it was embarrassing the way that the Cubs did that thing. I would yeah. hate I, – I wouldn't expect it. I mean, they could do it twice, could they? I don't, I'm like, you should be thinking about it. I'm like, they wouldn't do that, would they? <laughs> hey, we, we said they wouldn't, but you never know, Chris. They could. They could do it, man. You never know with this team, man. But I would like, out of respect, a guy that won a World Series with the team to not do that to him, right? That's why I would hope, man. Do the right thing. Show the guy the respect. I mean, Wilson Contreras has earned that, Chris. And, and then we know that Wilson Contreras is going to go out there and compete. He's going to go out there and ball out. He's going to take care of his body. He's going to go out there and play. And to his credit, he's blocking out the noise because he's yep. like, look, I don't have any control over it. If they do it, they do it. He kind of laughed about it when he said he kind of thought about the potentially how that could happen to him too, like it happened to Justin Marshall. Right. <laughs> he did laugh about that too, man. But, you know, he still um, shows a lot of respect to the team, the players he's playing with right now, Perez. He's one of those guys, man. He's really a team player. He's all about the team, want to see the team succeed. And he, like you said before, he wants to be here, Chris. So I'm hoping that the, the Cubs do the right thing just for him, man, as I mentioned already, because I think a guy like him deserves that kind of respect, man. Yeah, and I think also to that clubhouse. It looks like they're having fun. It looks like he's embracing yeah. being a leader on that clubhouse to the point you were making a second ago. So he's probably enjoying that, being kind of a leader and, and, and kind of a veteran on that team. He's doing well with it, too, you ask me, because the young players, they all like him, man. They all surround him. By him. They, they surround him, showing the respect he deserves as a veteran of the team. They treat him that well, Perez, and you don't hear any of the BS coming about, oh, how the team feel about him as far as players. But uh, Okay, A-Dub, let me, I'm just going to ask you this, because when I look at Wilson Contreras, I think he's probably the best catcher in baseball. If you think about all the things that he does, yeah, number one, no hands, you know, hands down. Now, if, now, hypothetically speaking, if the Cubs were to deal him, I guarantee you, boy, that market for him would be huge. Think about it. The Yankees, the Astros, woo, they would easily want to go after a guy like that. I mean, you guys got some trade chips on this team, bro. Yeah, yeah. He's definitely one up for sure. He's one of the trading value, probably the biggest trading value on the team. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because you're right. You're in the head with Yankees. They probably look like, hey, we got Riz over here. Hey, you want to come over here? Mm -hmm. (laughs) You got your boy over here. So, you know what? They they already lurking anyway, man, which they should be. I see what the Cubs want to do there. But you're right. That's a peach right there. You got uh, the, the closer, David Robertson. He's a peach right there for us. So I tell you, with David Robertson, he's been shutting folks down, man, in that closer role. So he looks elite right now. So he may And be- you know what? He's been a revelation for that team too, boy. Exactly. So it's good to have him back. He was off for a little while, Perez. He was out for a little bit that you and I talked about. But glad to have him back because he's back and still doing his thing this season. So he'll be a good piece. And then you have Ian Happ doing a couple things as well. He sure that he can hit and be an everyday player. So those three guys, I think, has the, probably the most value of the team right now. You talk about trade pieces. Yeah, I think Ian Happ is somebody that I think they should look at maybe moving. I think that between – I think him and Robertson make the most sense, if yeah. I'm being honest, because Robertson's going to get you guys back some nice prospects. Yeah. Ian Happ, I'm just not sure what you guys have there. Yeah, I think a lot of people are like that too, thinking the same thing. Like, what do you have in half? Because some games you're like, oh, this guy looks like he's on a mission. He even have a, a good 10 games or whatever, right? And then he'll probably, you know, 
stop hitting well, right? Kind of going a little slump. But you just don't know what kind of guy he really could truly be over the years. And I think that's the biggest thing that people have on him. Like, okay, what can this guy really be? A utility player or an everyday player? That's still the jury out on him still. And, and I guess for me, when I look at a guy like him, has he already hit his ceiling? Because this could be a scenario where you sell high. Maybe yeah. the, you guys have gotten everything out of him that, that it's going to be there with an Ian Happ. And it's like, hey, there's nothing wrong with selling high. Right. You know what, President? That could be it, too, because you now you on the team where there's no high expectations. So you're doing pretty well with, right? Now you go to a team that, that you expected to hit. <laughs> what can you do with that now when there's expectations on you? So you're right, person. You might have a ceiling right now, and then if you get traded, somebody's going to be pissed off. <laughs> yeah. But also, too, I think when it comes to Ian Happ, it kind of comes down to where the Cubs think they are in this reboot, these rebuild slash refresh, whatever they're calling it. If they feel like they're a little bit further off, then it may make sense to trade a guy like Ian Happ because you're not ready to contend yet. And you can right. get a lot for a guy like that. And so that, that could be it. That could be it. You're right. That could be it right there, Perez, of what, what, this, what this organization see this team at. Right now, what they probably, what, 10 plus games other now. So yeah. they probably look like, you know what? Could we continue to, to let him show what he's able to do before making the trade? Because you're right, Perez. If you're that far down and you don't seem to show us any signs of getting out this hole right now, Perez, you might decide to shop him, right, <laughs> at that point. So that's probably what the Pills is probably thinking now, that, hey, he can be somebody who probably can shop. Because now, like you say, this may not be just a, a retool. This is actually probably a rebuild without actually saying it. Right, exactly. So, I mean, we'll definitely see what happens there. But on that baseball front here in Chicago – it's been a tough summer, <laughs> to <say> yeah. the least. <laughs> but yes, it has. But on your side, you expected this, you know, and you still have reasons to be optimistic. On my side, I'm just disappointed, and I don't like being disappointed. So, <laughs> you know, I was very, I was talking a lot of shit on this show last year about my team, and this year, man, I don't have any bass in my voice right now. It really disappoints me to see what Tony Russa, what Rick Hahn, what's happening with this team, and I also won't point the finger at the players too. Because they're not getting it done either. They're not, man. And I'll tell you one thing. This team looked totally different without Tim Anderson out there. Press. Don't look the same, man. And that's why I realized you all have an MVP candidate, Tim Anderson, for sure. Because this team looks totally different when you ain't in the lineup. No, that's a, that's a really good point there, man. But you know what? We're going to turn the page and we're going to get into some of the positive vibes. And we're going to pick things up a little bit around here. <laughs> so... What I get up, your University of Illinois content, a dub now. We're still talking about the Illini. We talk about it all the time. The college basketball offseason is no longer a thing because there's always something going on. Right. First thing I want to talk to you about, Ty Rogers. We talked about the fact that he's with Team USA. Yes. He's, he's out there doing his thing, A-Dub, showing that versatility. I watched a couple of the games out there with him, and I'm like, man, it's going to be hard for Coach to keep him on the bench this season, man. I don't see how it's going to happen because he's showing many facets of his game for Team USA right now. Prez, he was like a starter on the Illinois team, man. He was like a starter. Like, he don't like no guy come up no bench, man. And I, all I got to say, man, Coach got a tough problem, Prez, because I still think there are a lot of guys on the roster who deserves to start. But this kid is making a big name for himself, man. I mean, he's going down the I.O. road. I mean, I.O. played for USA team before. So he's already following that kind of footsteps and only up on the fast track right now. So I don't know how this thing going to play out, but you're right. When I saw him playing, I'm like, whoa, two-way player, Press. That's the only thing that crossed my mind, two-way player. Yeah, no, listen, Ty Rogers, man, dude. 
<laughs> I don't know what they're going to do, man, because if you look at the veteran transfers that they, they brought in here, you don't bring these guys in to come off the bench. That's true. You, you can't start everybody. Right. But, man, dude, I'm, I'm telling you, man, Ty <laughs> Rogers, when you watch him out there, he's one of the best players on the court. Yeah. And I don't want us to hold him back, though, Perez. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want coaching to hold him back. If this guy's just that good, hey, got to start him, man, if he's just that good, you know? But if you feel, I mean, if the coach trying to build a commodity and let the veterans play, I get it. But, man, I don't want to hold a young guy back because he's just that good. I think we got. I think sometimes you got to take the ego out of it and just make the right decision. And, you know, one of the things that really – I mean, this is stuff that I've seen about him when, when we've gone to some of his games when he played in high school. The guy's yeah. a leader. And I'm seeing that with Team USA. I mean, his all-around game, the numbers that he had when they played against the Dominican Republic, they beat the shit out of DR. But the point <laughs> is, in that matchup, you saw the way he was playing defensively. We talk about this all yes. the time. This guy will pick you up. He don't care. He'll guard guards. He'll get down there in the middle. He'll get down on there on the wing. It don't matter. This guy will defend every position out there. But the all-around game, that's the part for me is like, how are you going to keep this guy on the bench when he got that type of talent? You can't, Prez. You really can't. And the thing for me is he got the defense right now. You know, <laughs> that's that's what you alluded to. I like the way he moved his feet. I'm like, man, got quick hands too. I'm like, man, this is why you bring a guy to the Illinois team anyway, right? You don't bring him in to hide him, keep on the bench. You, you bring a guy like him to play him. So that's going to be tough, man. I know what you're saying, Prez. I'm with you, though. But, man, this kid already got the, got the tools. And also, too, he can handle the rock. He's a good passer. I mean, both games I watched, I mean, he was dishing to setting people up. Yeah. And to have that type of ability on this Illini team, which I know a lot of people are looking at this Illini team on the outside now, us, because we cover the team, we're optimistic. We feel like, hey, this is a top 25 team. However, right. other people are looking at this Illini team, they're like, we don't even think they're a top 35 team. So mm-hmm. my thing is, it's either going to be a situation where this team gets out and they get out on a hot start, they dub, or because they don't have a lot of chemistry because of so many new people that they right. struggle a little bit. But I tell you, I tell you what, they when it's all said and done, this is t- this team, they're gonna figure it out. <laughs> I, I tell you, I promise you that much. But Brad Underwood is your coach, they're gonna figure it the fuck out if they struggle. Oh, yeah, they, and again, prayers they can struggle early. I think this kind of team will probably pick it up down the road, you know what I'm saying, as that chemistry building you and I talking about. That could possibly happen for this team because once they figure it out together, ooh, we, the sky's the limit, man. This team figured it out because you're right. You and I talk about how explosive this team can be, how much talent it has. It, it, it has a lot of ingredients to it, man, to where they can be an exciting team to watch down the road. So I'm hoping that, you know, coach figured this whole thing out, man, on how you want to play players with making sure that everyone get the minutes that they deserve on this team. Whether they come to the bench or not, Press, he's going to have to figure it all out because he has a loaded team now with guys who can do something. Yeah, but also to that point, though, when you think about all of those different intangibles, look at what we lost. You lost a lot of leadership on this team. You lost Drew Frazier, right? You lost yep. Jacob Grandison. We see he's out there on the portal visiting with Duke right now, and that would be a perfect plug-and-play option for Duke. But my point when I think about this, you lose a train, you lose a plumber, you lose Kofi Coburn. You lost so many people on this team, Demonte Williams. So that's the yeah. part that I look at. Those guys have been within that program for a couple years. They knew that Illinois culture. That was a big thing they talked about with the Illini, culture. Right. Now when you have so many newer pieces to the puzzle and these transfers, they don't have that Illini DNA. So that's one of those things that, hey, 
it's going to take a while for them to have to dig in and realize what it's like to be down there in Champaign and what it means to put on that uniform. Yeah, that's the sub part right there, Perez, because they don't have that leadership. You're right, man. The guys can tell them what this culture is all about. You missing that, that does hurt. It sets you back, too. So that's something I didn't really put pinpoint there, Perez, and put emphasis on because that can be the game changer right there. That could be the, 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 the thing of being in top 25 versus not being there with players not understanding what this Illinois team is all about and what the culture has been setting here. Yeah, so that's the only thing that I'm thinking about when I look at this. This is a very young team. Yeah. I mean, even though you got Shannon and Meyer coming in here, it's still a very young team, a lot of new pieces to kind of fit. But listen, if anybody's going to get it together, it's going to be Brad Underwood. But I would tell you, audience, we've said it before, we're excited because of just the talent that's on this team. But, man, we just want everybody to temper their expectations a little bit. Just know it may not be pretty initially. But, man, once they jail and once we see what these what we got in these young players, the Jaden Epses of the world and the Ty Rogers, and, oh, it's going to be beautiful, man. It's going to be real nice. Sky Clark, I can't wait. I can't wait to see it. I can see this team growing up by Mars Madness, Chris. I can I'm, see I'm, I'm okay with that, baby. I'm okay with that. <laughs> yes, sir. She peak at the right time. You know what I mean? That's what it's about right there, right? Yes, sir. All right, man. Well, let's get into some Chicago Bulls talk. So, audience, I know there's been a lot of chatter out there about Zach Levine and, oh, does he have beef with DeRozan? And, and, and is he going to return back? Are the Bulls going to trade him? Listen, in my heart of hearts, Zach Levine is going to resign here with the Bulls. I think he wants to be here. The organization wants him back. I think a lot of this, and A-Dub and I have talked about this in the past, most of this is probably Zach's camp trying right. to ensure that he gets a max contract. You know what I mean? So, I think we're good there. However, A-Dub, now we got more rumors on the horizon. Well, we're hearing rumors out of Utah that Utah may be looking to move Rudy Gobert. And Chicago has been mentioned as a place that might have some interest. And it might be mutual interest. So I wanted to get your thoughts on a Rudy Gobert. And if you think, or I guess how you see that being a fit here with this Bulls roster. Actually, it's a damn good fit for this Bulls roster, Chris. I don't think the Bulls need a score. Matter of fact, they, they were fine with Zach Levine you know, and DeRozan, you know, uh, leading the way, leading the charge. Vooch was like always the, the, the guy who got lost in, in the shuffle here. But you talk about Rudy Gobert, that's the guy who brings defense, friends, rebounding, and block shots in a paint presence, which is everything that Vooch wasn't. If you ask me, hey, look, you make that move in a heartbeat. You send Vooch on his way. I would think Rudy Gobert in this, uh, this defensive scheme that the Bulls has been running, been trying to play, he fits very well because we do have perimeter defenses. We just don't have a guy on the back end of it, right, that can actually help out in that paint. We need somebody big like a Rudy Gobert who can help out. He fits more in Chicago than he does in Utah. No, I agree, especially when you look at what we have defensively on this team with I.L., yeah. Ball, Caruso. Yep. Imagine having a presence down low that when these guards are out there on the, on the perimeter doing their thing and you got a true rim protector, right, because we don't have right. that right now. Nope. I mean, this, this Rudy Gobert is three-time defensive player of the year, man. Right. I mean, probably, he's probably he's probably already rattled off a Hall of Fame career. I mean, if I'm being honest, yeah, he's definitely somewhere in, in the rim of that part of it, and he's not he's not done yet. So for his, right. he's not he still got some a lot left in the tank. And now with this, like you said, with this team here, he just can do a lot more because now you're able to see his value a lot more than Utah did because Utah played a different style. Man, they didn't even have no defend, no no perimeter defenders out there. You got Mitchell, but he's more of a scorer to me, more facilitator as well than anything else defensively. So. 
you got really good bear there on his own, really. So now you bring him to Chicago, it's like, oh, he elevate now, right? Because now he's happier playing. You heard rumors out there in Utah that maybe him and Mitchell are not happy playing together. So maybe yeah. he's a happier camper in Chicago. He can give us much more than what he gave those guys. I mean, those two have beef ever since that COVID thing that happened. And I feel like they tried to make the most of it. But I think that relationship has probably run its course between yeah. those two. But let me just say this now, A-Dub. Now, on-court fit, I think is is, is a no-brainer. But when you look at that contract, Rudy Gobert's got four years, $170 million left on that contract. He's one of the highest paid players in the league. And you couple that with the fact that Zach is going to be up for a $200 million uh, extension. Right. What are we talking about? Are we going to go into luxury tax? <laughs> hey, you know, this something that, that is something that Ryan's over hate doing. He hate going to luxury taxes. You already know. He's one of those individuals who like to stay below it. But Vooch is also making a lot of money, too. So it's not going to be an even swap of course spreads. No. Nope. Rudy Gobert probably making a little bit more of them, of course, as we know. And he should be. You ask me, a defensive guy like that, right? Anchor. I get it. But yeah, you may have to go to luxury tax. And the thing is, how important do Ryan's door values win? So if you think winning is the, is, is, is the top priority, you've got to go on luxury tax, man. A lot of these other teams are doing the same thing, Press is at the top. So if you want to win, make the move. If you don't, we know where we at. We know where we stand, Press. But that's the thing. This guy never has paid the luxury tax, and I don't think that he would do it for Rudy Gobert. Now, also, too, if for some reason they do make this move, and we're going to talk about it in a minute, what it probably would take to bring him here. But let's just say, hypothetically, hypothetically speaking, they make that move and bring him here. And then you re-up with Zach Levine. Well, at that point, you have no more money to make any other moves to improve your roster. So right. now when you look at that team now, Gobert, Levine, DeRozan, do you think that's the big three that's going to get it done? Up? That can't get it done because they got other tools with them, right? You got Ball, you got Patrick Williams. He's actually improved, right? Continue to improve and show promise. You still got some people that can still do some things. They'll probably end up being top-heavy, Prince. <laughs> you know, they're right to use call that word top-heavy, but they may be top-heavy with that. A very good five, but still need to work out the kinks on the bench. Now, that'll be the other thing there. But I do know that, you know, Caruso comes off the bench a lot. So he could be your sixth man for sure that gives you the value you need. And most times when the playoffs come, Prince, a lot of times teams shorten up their bench. They don't use 10 men. They short it up to like seven to eight, right, at most. So, I mean, if you got a good seven, you straight. Okay, so you brought up a name that I think that may be someone that may have to get put into the trade. So if they were to pull the trigger on this and trade Vooch, I guarantee the Utah Jazz are going to ask about Pat Williams. And I know Ooh. that the Bulls do not want to trade him because this guy's oozing with so much potential. We saw it in that series against the Bucks. However, right. you have to be prepared for the Jazz to ask for Patrick Williams and a number one draft pick. So now my thing is to you. Is Rudy Gobert worth you trading away the potential of a Patrick Williams? I don't think so, Prez. What I look at now in this league here, Prez, these players are forcing their way out. <laughs> they start crying, Prez. They want out, man. And it put a lot of pressure on, on the front offices, right? And I wonder if we probably can get a steal off that because Rudy Gobert may say, look, I want to be done with this. He hasn't said it yet that we haven't heard, but if he wasn't starting to put some pressure, on the Utah Jazz, what they may mean for us. So maybe we don't have to, you know, match that kind of a spending with it, Perez, if it happens that way. It may not be a fair trade. That's what I'm saying, really. So when I look at that, that's the reason why, because when you brought up Patrick Williams' name, yeah. you obviously are banking on him because you think that he's going to be a part of the future. So for me, when I look at a Rudy Gobert, I like the fit. On paper, 
phenomenal. But now I'm looking at the the financial cost that 170 million left on that contract. He's going to be approaching 30 years old. Yeah. And that contract, you know, it could be bad money, you know, the last couple of years of the contract. You know, we're looking at Rudy Gobert now, but who knows how he's going to age, what he's going to look like at 32, what he's going to look like at 33. That's what I want people to think about when they hear this. But also, too, I am not trading Patrick Williams for Rudy Gobert. Now, hey, Dub, if the Utah Jazz are willing to take Kobe White instead, let's go. (laughs) Let's go. You know what? That's a possibility, though, too, Chris. They might decide to say, yeah, we'll go with that, right? They may go or future draft pick. You know how I go. But oh, that's but you know what? They're gonna have to definitely throw in a number one pick though in this trade. But I'm saying I'm swapping out Patrick Williams and I'm throwing Kobe White in that bitch. Oh, I'm with you there. We're not giving up Patrick Williams at all. No, we, we're not gonna give him that defense. And that kid still got a lot of growing left in him, man. He haven't reached this ceiling at all. No, all potential right now. So you're right, you don't do that right there. You don't mortgage your future <laughs> on, on a Rudy Gobert like that because you just never know, right? Because you already know, you already know we already wrapped up with the Rose in this contract, right? The Rose had an MVP season, but guess what, Briz? He's not getting the younger. We wrapped him up for what? How many, how many seasons? What four he got, seasons? He got, four, yeah, he got two more, two more left, right? So you never know what those next two seasons look like, even with that. But I still think the Rose got a lot left in the tank, too, at his age. So if you combine them, if you're trying to win now, you might make that move. Once the contract ends, you can move on from these guys, friends. You don't have to hold no bars and try to keep them once they contract in. You can move on. So you're right. In the short run, maybe a lot of money. In the long run, may not be much at all. No, and my thing is, I'm not trading Patrick Williams because he's got that great two-way potential in this league. Guy yeah. can guard multiple positions out there in the wing, offensive Agreed. game evolving. I'm sorry. That guy has future star written all over him. You would be a damn fool if you traded him. You would be a damn fool. Now, Vooch, to your point, he can go. Right. <laughs> I'm with you there. We're not trading Patrick Williams, man. We cannot do that. That would be the biggest mistake that probably Chicago would have done in quite a while. So don't do that. It's not worth it. It's not worth no. it. Now, and some people may say, well, we, if you trade Kobe White Press, you lose a guy coming off the bench. Potentially. You can still replace. You can, re- you can replace. You can find somebody in free agency that can replace what Kobe White brings to the table. But don't forget about Io DeSumo because you right. have him that's going to be coming off the bench now. And I will be one year better, baby. And yes, sir. what we saw last season was not bad at all. We like him. Fan favorite in Chicago, hometown, doing well that we talked about, Perez. So, look, I is going to do everything he can to get to that next step. So, for us, I think we got a good one in I.O. That, that's reliable, Perez, that comes in the game off the bench. But look at this lineup, potentially, if we did pull the trigger on this trade and we're able to keep Pat Will. You got Rudy Gobert center. Pat Will at the power four, DeMar DeRozan at the three, Zach at the two, and a combination of either Lonzo Ball or Caruso at the point guard position. Woo. That is a squad. It's a squad, baby. And that is, to me, a top three team definitely in the East for sure and could get you out the, out the first round for sure. So that's what you're looking at. We see a team like that on paper, Chris. You can probably almost say, you know what, this team's going to get to the second round. They're going to be one of the top seeds for sure with that kind of a unit, if they all stay healthy. I mean, if, if, if matter of fact, I mean, that that team right there probably should go to the Eastern Conference Finals. But my, my thing is, I wonder, is that enough to win? Yeah, that's a good point. 
And the thing is, you never know how the league shapes up either, right, Prez? Because other teams are still making moves or maybe going on their way down, right? Because I'm not sold a lot of teams in the East right now. I mean, we saw what the Nets did, right? How they didn't look too good. Right. I'm just saying, you just never know what the East looks like, right? So anything can happen, right? So the Bulls can either make a splash and move up or other teams can definitely make a bad move and move down. <laughs> and so either way it goes, it puts the Bulls in a good position. So, and then the fact they're trying to go out and win, having a really good bear on the team, that just shows you right there that, hey, this Bulls team is not sitting around waiting. They're actually trying to go for a chip. Yeah, man, so it'll be interesting to see, but I just wanted to get your thoughts on that, and I'm sure the audience wanted to hear what we kind of thought through that. I yeah. mean, it's, 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 it's one of those moves where when you look at Vooch's, Vooch's sporadic offense she didn't know what you were gonna get from him. you know also know he wasn't gonna play no damn defense <laughs> then when you look at rudy gobert hey this guy's a superior elite defender so it's almost like losing vooch is a positive for the team yeah you know it, what i mean it, it might be because what it does it frees up a guy like look you talk about pat williams right now he'll be able to get more shots you can't get more shots with vooch right it's hard right because you know the rose and zach they're gonna take a lot of shots they got they got to they need to start players right so you know we also want to get vooch into the offense well, if you got those three guys cooking or shooting a lot of shots, what does that mean for Pat Williams? So if you have Rudy Gobert, you don't have to worry about those kind of shots. The Rudy Gobert be a guy that cleaned up the mess and right. get his own shot. He don't need no help. So you don't have to worry about him. But with Pat Williams, you got to worry about that when you have Vooch. No, that's, I mean, that's an excellent point, Ada, because you don't – because Rudy Gobert, he's going to get his points on his own. He's going to get putbacks. He's going to run to the rim. Right. That's how he's going to score. Right. Well, Vooch, like you said, there were times where they were trying to work the ball down to him to get him going. Right. You know, so no, very fair point. Very fair point. Now, we'll definitely see what happens there. But I I guarantee you, though, Mark Eversley and AK, they got something up their sleeve, bro. They got something <laughs> up their sleeve. Oh, yeah, man. I'm happy for AK. You know that already, Perez. He's definitely thinking outside the box, trying to find a way, man. So I got no issues with the front office on this. All right, well, man. Let's before we get out of here, man. Let's let's get some Chicago Bears chat into the into the equation here. So, David Montgomery, you and I always talk about how this guy's the heart and soul of this offense. I think damn near the damn team. I mean, his running style, the fan base loves him. He's everything that is right about Chicago football. Just goes out there, competes, plays hard, doesn't complain, doesn't run his mouth. But he's a free agent at the end of the season, eh, Dub? And we know that Khalil Herbert is behind him at the running back position. We also know that how running backs in this NFL are so undervalued these days. Want to get your thoughts, though, when it comes to David Montgomery. Do you see him getting that extension with the Bears? Or do you see the Bears potentially saying, hey, we might have your replacement on the roster right now? <laughs> hey, man, I keep going back and forth with this whole thought about this whole thing when it comes down to Montgomery, man. Because you're right, Her Herbert is red. He is, man. And it's good to have two good running backs, right, Perez? So if I'm thinking outside the box, I will say, you know what? Don't let Montgomery go because he's still playing elite level. Maybe hold him on for another season or two. Maybe give him an extension for two years at max because you know Herbert's going to be that guy that's going to take over at, at that point, right? And he's still on his rookie contract, so still at that time. So I think right now you can take advantage of having both running backs at this point. And I think Dave Montgomery still running hard, still playing a high-level press. Why not use that, man? Because in this league, you know, we've seen players get hurt, running backs and all. You just can't just – you lose one running back, it'd be good if you have another one. So, in this case here, it's good to have both running backs. Yeah, and I also think, too, to your point, because you have Khalil Herbert still in that rookie contract, even if you do extend David Montgomery, 
Okay. It's not hurting anything. And right. so I think if I were to look at David Montgomery on any sort of extension, if I'm the Bears, I look at a three-year type of extension for him. Yeah. You know, and I'm sure the money's probably gonna be somewhere close to what Nick Chubb got with the Browns. Mm-hmm. Nick Chubb got 20 million guaranteed, 36 million over three years. Yeah. I'd be comfortable with a type of deal like that for Montgomery. Absolutely, Prince, because he's gonna give us a lot of value with that. I think he still has a lot left in the tank. So some years at that, not just a one or two year deal. A thing I see here, you're right. Maybe three years we can see David Montgomery playing at a high level, Chris. And the guy runs hard, plays physical. You know all the great things about him. You talked about it on plenty of occasions, Chris, what he brings to the table. So he's a guy workforce that you can allow to, hey, give the ball to, let him do his thing, man. So I don't see that changing anytime soon. So you're right. You keep that on the roster, man, while you have it. And then it's build up with Justin Fields, right? Because you want to make sure that things are easy for Justin Fields. You talk a lot about this all, all the time. Are we doing the right thing for Justin Fields? Well, have the day in my government right now is doing the right thing for Justin Fields. Amen, brother. Amen. Because when you listen to people talking about contract extensions for the Bears, everybody's talking about Roquan Smith and that monster extension that he's going to get. Because we yeah. know they got the back up that big, <laughs> that brink struck. But David Montgomery, they better be tapping him on the shoulder as well because I'm looking at him and that importance to this team, importance to that offense. But you also – you set a bad example if you don't give that guy the extension because he works his ass off. Yeah. And I'm with you, Prince. You got to you gotta salute guys like that who put the work in, you know. And he's trying to also learn to lead as well. He says all the right things. Those are the kind of players you want to have in this locker room, man. And if, if you got that with him, it's some of the intangibles – you keep them, man, because I don't think we have any concerns with David Montgomery, and I don't see it happening. So, therefore, keep him on the team. This guy can bring a lot. And one thing that makes me happy is when you hear Matt Eberflus and when you hear Luke Getze talking about the role of the running backs in this new offense, yeah. they're like they're going to be involved in all facets of the team. And I mean, all facets of the offensive game plan, which is going to be a stark contrast to the last regime that was in here where if Montgomery got 20 catches in a game, he was lucky. Right, well, right. It seems like now, A-Dub, what they're doing is they're like, no, not only are we going to pound the rock with the running backs, but we're going to get them involved in the passing game too. And how often were we all saying, let's get the running backs involved in the passing game? Right. You had a good point, Chris, because you and I have seen David Montgomery improve in that area. Yes. So why not make him part of that? You're right. He should have been more involved in the last season, but that's another story, <laughs> you know, when it comes down to your, your previous coach. But, yeah, man, it's like David Montgomery is showing us that, hey, you know what? Not only can I run it, I can also catch it and still make some things happen with it. So those yards after catch, man, still valuable because that guy can still run through tackles, man. So that's what you get in a David Montgomery type of player, whether he's catching it or running it. And let's just be honest here. Now, in this new scheme, if they're going to open it up and they're going to get him the ball, then his numbers this season are going to be nice. And that's going to also probably seal the deal on a nice little extension for him. Hey, man, I'm looking at the winning circle right now, Prez, what you going to say? <laughs> Ooh, wait. That's right, because you know I got something brewing. You know I got yeah, something brewing. Do. I already know, man. I can't wait till the winning circle gets out here, man, again. So, hey, look, Dave Montgomery, definitely going to be special. And the last thing that I want to just say on this whole piece with him is, imagine the fact that we talked about on DBE ways to get the best out of Justin Fields this season, right? Well, if right. you don't utilize the running backs – whether it's Montgomery or Herbert, right? Go get those guys out in space on wheel routes, right? Go get them out there on those little uh, swing routes. Well, what does that do to the middle of the field now? Adub, the middle of your field is wide open for the running backs and the tight ends. Right, right. Game That's over. 
Yep, that's an area you can continue to exploit. You got many options now, right? Now you're helping Justin Fields out a whole hell of a lot now, right, Brands? You put him in a better situation now. Now you got weapons, places to go with the football if he gets to any kind of trouble. So that's what you want to see, man. So I definitely will look forward to seeing even Flukes put that, to, that scheme together where these guys can maximize, you can maximize our running backs. Yes, sir. But listen, any Bears plans? I want to see two extensions happen. Roquan Smith. David Montgomery, pay both of those men right now. Pay up. Pay them up. <laughs> and also do it sooner than later because that price only going to keep going up now. You're right about that. He's starting to break out career gear. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Pro Bowl and all that stuff. That makes a huge difference right there. What mm -hmm. you're looking for, what you're seeking. But you're right, Perez. Get it while you can. Then you got to worry about the problem down the road. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All this. Final segment time. If this city could talk. Keeping it short and to the point. If this city could talk, it would salute Anthony Perry. Audience, if you didn't see what happened this week, Anthony Perry saved someone's life on the L tracks this week. There was a fight that occurred. Someone was on the L tracks with a live track where they could have been electrocuted. He jumped down to the track, pulled the person up to safety. Shit, and in fact, he wasn't even thinking about his own safety because he was down there trying to save someone else. So if this city could talk, it would say, more of us need to look out for the people left and the right of us. And sometimes it's not just about you, but it's about doing things for the greater good. So if this city could talk, it would salute Anthony on being a great Chicagoan because we hear so much about the negativity, the violence, all the negative things that happen in the city. But we need to salute these, we need to salute young people that are out here like this individual who talked about the fact of he was just trying to get to work, but he saw this individual get beat up and basically end up over there on the other side of the tracks. And he said, no, I got a responsibility to go save that person. And he did. And you know what? He was also rewarded because someone bought him a car yep. to help him get to and from work. Very well deserved, man. He deserved that vehicle and much, much more. Man, I was so happy to see that press. I mean, Anthony, you my hero, man, for doing something like that, a selfless act and doing something like that for somebody that you didn't even know. So we want to see more of that with you, Perez. I'd love to see more people do things of that nature, man. That's what it's all about being American, if you ask me. If this city can talk, it will say, hey, salute to all the Illinois senators, along with other senators who actually have made June the LGBTQ Pride Month. I want to say because we're all about inclusion, about everybody being part of this country, everyone being getting the respect they deserve. I want to salute everyone who's been part of that, that process to ensuring that that June is Pride Month. So for that reason, I will say, hey, those who are part of the LGBT community, hey, salute to you guys. You all well deserve it. Hey, well said. Salute to all of you. And listen, A-Dub, in the spirit of inclusion, I think that is very important to make sure that everyone feels that they're being listened to, that they're being heard, and they're being accepted and appreciated for who they are, their authentic right. self. Because there's time out for people to feel like they can't be, they can't speak their truth. And I really appreciate those senators for stepping up in that moment. Absolutely. Audience, audience, as always, we appreciate your continued support of this platform with Chicago State of Mind. Thanks for listening, and we are out.
One thing about Michael Jordan was he never asked me to do something that he didn't fucking do. I'm only doing it because it is who I am. That's how I played the game. That was my mentality. If you don't want to play that way, don't play that way.